Um, I mentioned earlier something that I wanted to bring up again. The uh, that Peter and Arai, that the beer that my buddy brewed, and you said you remembered it. Uh, what was that experience like? Was that like a homebrew competition or something that basically you guys hosted? This is a continuation of last week's conversation at Postdoc. If you haven't heard the Postdoc episode, part one, you're probably going to want to go back to the previous episode before listening to this one. I'm the Cycling Certified Cicerone, and this is Washington Beer Talk. Yeah, well, we didn't host. Every year, um, there's a competition called the uh, November Beer Fest. Um, but part of that is the, uh, the Puget Sound Pro-Am competition. So the uh, homebrewers will all enter, the judges, the homebrew judges, uh, they're, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the BJCP, the Beer Judge Certification Program. Yeah, I'd say more or less. A bunch of BJCP judges uh, show up on, over the course of a weekend. They judge all of the beers. They get their scores. Um, don't, no announcements are made. The following weekend, the professional brewers come in and they look at what the, the judges all said about the beers. This is the winning IPA. This is the winning that. Uh, you know, we'll have a beer in mind that we want to make. Um, and so, you know, I'll go and I'll sit down and I'll say, you know, bring me, you know, number 157, beer number 286. And, you know, bring me these beers. I'm going to taste them. I say, this is the one that I want to make. Uh, or I'm considering these, let me see the recipes. And then I'll look at the recipe and be like, well, this process doesn't really work for us or whatever. Uh, or, you know, this has something that I don't want to use or who knows. Uh, or some ingredient that's impossible to get in the time frame that I need because, you know, whatever. You pick a beer, you brew it. Um, yeah. So that year we picked uh, Peacher in the Rye. So it was a strong Scottish ale. Uh, we brewed 15 barrels of that, but it was also... Um, fermented with peaches and bourbon barrel aged. So we couldn't do an entire 15 barrel batch of that. So we split some of that off, added the peaches, fermented it in the barrels, um, and then, you know, kegged it from there. So we had that, the, the base beer that we called Kilty by Association, because our, so our, um, our Scottish ale is called, uh, is called Kilty McSporin. This was a strong Scottish ale, so we called it Kilty by Association. And then for the, um, that is what we'd call it, right? Yeah. All right. Trying to remember. It was a few years ago. Uh, but then the barrel-aged one was, was uh, Peacher in the Rye. And I guess it wasn't, we used a rye barrel because that's what we had. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes you got to use what you can get. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see. Yeah, that's just that'll be a fun little shout out for my buddy Jordan. Hopefully he had. Yeah, well, there were, he there were four of them. Uh, I don't remember all their names off the top of my head. Uh, Nikolai, Jordan. Sorry, everyone else. Uh, <laughs> the uh, still might be you know, it was a, it was a fun. It's a fun day. We we do it every year. Um, it's always a good time. You know, the homebrewers come and have a great time helping out with the you know with the beer, uh, hanging out, drinking beer with their friends, whatever. Because usually. I encourage them to bring a friend or two because we we can't stand around entertaining them all day. I mean, it's it's a long day and we have other things to do. So um, you know, they get to hang out. They can interrupt us and ask questions. You know, and they can they can help. But if you've ever brewed a beer, like you start the mash, you're mashed in, you've got like an hour to wait. We could stand around and talk to them for an hour. We can get other things done. Yeah. So you know, we get other things done and we talk to them at the same time. But it's good if we don't feel like 
we've had we've had situations where only one person shows up and you feel like you have to entertain them the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> the more yeah. the merrier. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier for us if they bring friends. They have a better time. We have a better time. It's good. <laughs> okay. Classic. Um, let's see. How long have we been going here? Oh, we're about to break. Almost about to break an hour. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, I know. It flies by, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. I have a question for you. You yeah. mentioned uh, flying bike. How has the closure of Naked City affected your business? Oh, man. We're still we're still trying to see what's going to happen as a result of that. But we, uh, um, we're... Sad to see him go, of yeah. course. Like, that's pretty brutal. We've had a handful of opportunities, like purchasing their crawler machine. That's also why I mentioned their crawler. <laughs> um, I, you know, we thought about that. And we've, we've been considering that kind of stuff. And obviously, it's going to change Greenwood's sort of core a lot because they've been a, a very important, uh, you know, people to have there. And it'll make us the only brewery on the street, which is kind of cool, but you know, we're also no longer a, like now we're on destination. Now there's not two breweries to go visit. There's now just one. So we're going to have to see long-term how sort of the personality of Greenwood, uh, how the personality of Greenwood sort of evolves and you know, and we'll see. Uh, I'm like, I'm certainly not happy to see them go, but I'm intrigued to see what will happen later. But yeah, so that'll that'll be that'll be a lot. Actually, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get in contact with Naked City and do a a, a podcast like this probably remotely because their other location is so far right. a little too far for me to bike. Um, I, uh, but I would love to chat with them and uh, Don's you know, a great guy. get their story. Yeah, um, haven't actually met Don yet, but that would be that'd be a lot of fun to sit there and chat with them and see what that kind of all was about. Because like you know we don't know all the. Uh, um, all the business decisions that had to go into that because obviously it is getting hard to you know maintain your brewery and you'd think that a brewery in a, a heavily populated you know heavily foot trafficked location like Greenwood which is a, a perfectly solid neighborhood that should totally have two more breweries in it yeah. I um, they uh, you know you'd think mm. that'd be fine and they're like a brew pub too right. so like the food and everything yeah. should offer you a pretty good buffer yeah. to your business and i obviously will not speculate at all right. as to what what happened over there at naked city and i'd love to get the story from them because it's just like a you know it's a uh yeah it's it it's part of the evolution of our beer uh, ecosystem and i want to see where you know what happened where it's going and doing that kind of stuff because obviously it's getting harder it's getting hard out there for breweries um so anyway, one of the things that I, the other purpose of the podcast that I've mentioned is trying to talk, not really doing this. I'm not literally trying to talk people out of opening their brewery, but I think that it, some of the funner things to share is some of the shit that's just gone wrong. Is there anything that you guys can think of, you know, off the top of your head, but on the spot, um, that just was so brutal. You would have, if you could have seen it coming, you would have changed it. It, you know, anything like that. Big question. On a spot. Unfortunately, I, I have to say no. I mean, you know, this was not something that we just jumped into. I spent a long time thinking about this. I've been thinking about opening a brewery since my undergrad days. So, you know, there was that aspect to it. I talked to a ton of people in the industry about what worked for them, what didn't work for them. Uh, you know, we didn't really make any huge mistakes. Um, the thing, though, that the, the caution that I would give to people is really that um, if you're opening your own brewery because you like making beer, don't. Because you don't get to do that. Uh, I don't get to make beer much anymore. I have other things I need to do. I'm, you know, trying to run the business. Uh, the, you know, 
on a, on a good day, on a good brew day, I'll get to help mash in. I'll dump the grain in the mill and that's my job. Uh, and then I have other things I need to go do. I can't stand on the brew deck or dump in hops. Like I, I don't have time for that. I have other things I need to do. The, the business is all consuming. There's nonstop work, uh, that doesn't involve making beer. Um, you know, uh, friends in the brewing industry will say, uh, you know, I've, no, I've known a lot of homebrewers have gone pro. I, I spent a long time as a homebrewer. I was very active in the Homebrewers Association. I went to the conference every year. The people who go to the American Homebrewers Association conference are the most serious homebrewers. They're the most likely ones to go and open their own brewery. I know a ton of people around the country who have gone, who've gone pro, who've opened their own breweries. And every one of them will tell you that if you make great beer and want to open a brewery, um, making the beer is the easy part because you know how to do that it's all the other stuff that you don't know how to do uh there's that's just it's it's hard um there's a lot of things yeah maybe if you are a home brewer and a cpa cool or a home brewer and a lawyer great uh you know for me it's it's engineer and scientist so like i can things break I can take things apart and fix them. So I don't have to pay somebody to do that, but I have to pay an accountant, I have to pay a lawyer. So there's always gonna be something that you're missing, um, something that you're not able to do or that you need to learn how to do. Um, but really, open a brewery if you wanna own a manufacturing business, not if you wanna make beer. If you wanna make beer, be a home brewer, go get a job at a brewery, do that kind of thing, because when you own the business, you don't get to, do, you don't get to be the brewer. There's too much other stuff to do that needs your attention. That makes sense. That is, a, that is good advice, I think, for anybody. Um, what about you, Debbie? you have anything to add to that? That was a good answer. It was a good answer. Um, not really. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's fair. Um, let's see. Oh, okay, so I wanted to mention that uh, so one of the, the, the other secret reason I'm here is to, uh, so I'm working with the, the bearded gentleman, if you've heard of this guy. Um, I've actually never met him in person, but the two of us are working me, together cycling on certified the Cicerone Beer Week. Music by Eastside Beer Week. Uh, so we're working together on that. Like I, I'm heard, a cycling Cicerone, so I develop or a my grounds on Apple Podcasts, or maybe like go back Seattle, to Facebook and I'll leave a like. Definitely share this podcast with your friends, that'll really help me out. Um, and this so I'll be doing some bike available for wherever like you get your podcast. You know, I'm now gonna try to put maybe Bellevue Brewing, maybe you guys, uh, Black Raven. I don't think that anybody ever needs. Like, would you say people need to go to the Mac and Jack tap like brewery over there? There's no tap room at all. Nothing to see at all. Uh, you know, you can get tastes there, but I don't. Uh... Can you get pints? I think you can. Now, I yeah. think now you yeah, can get pints. Is, yeah. um, Big Block just moved into Hi-Fi space. I don't think they're brewing there yet, but they have a, a tap room presence. Um, so they're they're right by Black Raven. Um, and they've got their one just down uh, East Lake Sammamish. Uh, it's a few miles down there. Okay. So I don't know if you plan to include anything in Issaquah. Um, it would make sense to include them for sure if you were going down to Issaquah, but if you're not. Yeah. Um, what would you say about some of the like the local bike routes in the area? Do you know anything about this? Yeah, I've biked on a lot of the trails and down East Lake, down to Issaquah and through Mary Moore and up and all the way over to Fremont. Um, my husband's a big bike rider and he was also done a lot on the 520. You can you trail on 520? So the 520 bridge is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little hilly. Because you'd think a bridge would be pretty flat, but yeah. it's actually not at all. I don't know what the hell's going on over there. 
How do you build a bridge? It's so hilly. Maybe I'm, I'm calling, maybe, making mountains calling, out of molehills. I think hills. you're calling the hills mountains. <laughs> yeah. Making mountains out of molehills for sure, because I'm just summer, I'm winter fat right now. I'm sure uh, it's very different when you're on your bike than when you're in a car. Yeah. 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 Very different. Um, okay, cool. Um, so we would like to, to see some cycle things as part of that beer week. We would yeah. absolutely be up for doing something with that. Yeah, that'd be a lot yeah. of fun. We yeah. even have our fancy bike racks. Oh, we did. I didn't even, I meant to bring those up. I love y'all's bike racks. So they're clearly like custom made. Yeah, yeah. They, custom made. they are your logo. Yeah. And maybe it's lucky that your logo is like a great bike rack shape because it's got it's great, you know, isn't plenty it? of ways to, to, it's basically two circles kind of touching in the middle and you can lock up your front tire and your back tire. You yeah, just, and, you know, and you it looks like our goggles. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah, your logo looks like a pair. It, it, it is a pair of uh, a pair of goggles, a pair of like almost steampunk looking goggles. Yeah, exactly. uh, so that is, yeah, perfect. Perfect bike rack shape. And uh, yeah, big fan, big fan out there. Just a little bit on the tap room. Um, people comment on our tap room and how they like it and the feel of it. And um, we did a lot of work on trying to make it something that is um, enticing and comfortable and kind of warm and a, a bit pub-like, British pub-like, but not pub-like. So, you know, we, some of the items that we have, the back bar was like a secondhand piece and we try to bring uh, old and new kind of wood and metal and I think it um, definitely pays off and people comment it comment on it a lot so I, I you know i like people to come if you've not been to the tap room come visit she left out the part where um this is not what i wanted the tap room to look like uh <laughs> but i got outvoted um you know johnny debbie and julie were he didn't all want on the to be on the page. design committee <laughs> well i mean i was i wanted stainless and you know they were like no i would know this is what we're gonna do and they're all on the same page and i was like then I'm just going to go and focus on the brewery side because I don't need to like, I don't need to get on your page. I just need to agree that you guys can be on your page and I'm going to go and do that. Yeah. So that's what happened. Like, I don't need my pride wrapped up in your tap room. It looks nothing like what I want. Well, it's, not, it's not what I wanted, but, uh, but like I said, they agreed that that was going to be good and they're right. I mean, it's good. Mine could have been good too. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll see at the next place. But uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just took a step back and I was like, you guys are, you guys have this shared vision. So you should just implement that without me mucking it up. Yeah. Just go and do that. So, uh, so to describe the tap room, I would say there's lots and lots of wood. Uh, there, all the tables are just giant hunks of, I don't know what, what do you, what do you, what would you call this tabletop type? There's a word for it. There's gotta be right. A slab, a slab, well, a slab of wood. Okay. Big old slabs of wood. That's how the tables are made. They're like really great. The chairs are all dark. Stained. These all came from these, these tabletops all came from the same tree. Oh, no way. Yeah. That is actually really cool. So like what kind of huge tree was this? It was, um, so according to our slab guy, local the, legend. Uh, yeah, it, local <laughs> legend, you're it, right. <laughs> it was a, um, the arborist couldn't identify it. It was a, um, some kind of sequoia hybrid, uh, that was growing in Everett and had been hit by lightning and needed to be removed. So he went and bought it uh, and killed it. And he had to, his, his mill would only handle logs that were 54 inches in diameter max. So they actually had to trim the sides off to narrow it because it was so big. Uh, and you can see by these rings that the tree grew really fast. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, sequoias don't grow here. And yeah, it was obviously planted by somebody at some point. Um, and it's not that old based on the size and the size of these rings. Like it, it wasn't that old of a tree, yeah. but, uh, 
Yeah, that's that's pure insanity. What are these? Each each one of these little each rings is an inch, almost an inch. It's, it's half an inch to an inch each. Like, dang, they're huge. Yeah. So super fast growing tree. We try to get more details, but uh, last I heard, the slab guy was wanted by the FBI, and we haven't seen him. So uh, <laughs> hard to say exactly what happened there. We don't really get any details, but uh, might have something to do with all of his trucks going back and forth between uh, Washington and Florida. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Supposedly only carrying logs back and forth. I have my suspicions about what was going on, but you know. But, but you're live on a podcast. I don't have any evidence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. So, and we don't need to speculate about what was what else was being carried on those trucks. Uh, that's hilarious. See, you know what? You guys almost didn't tell me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, uh, to, to to now finish the description of the tap room, uh, you've got a lot of you've got brass or at least brass looking stuff. Your tap handles are all mounted on one of those big old you know you can imagine the British pub, Irish pub uh, tap trees, and um, the homebrewed almost inevitably homemade right like uh, diy uh, light fixtures with the giant mugs and the pipes right am i wrong on those or were those well, actually handmade by someone handmade by someone. <laughs> handmade. Well, fair enough. it was okay. custom made custom, custom made. made beautiful light fixtures with Etsy. the big old like, halogen silly edison bulbs in them yeah. which i'd love um yeah very traditional like very pub feeling and i think you nailed that i think that's really great Here's another thing I think you guys might have a story for. Maybe not even a story, but um, ceiling panels up here. You've yep. got the sound dampening panels. Yep. Um, no brewery I know opens with the sound Well, panels. no brewery has the money left to <laughs> purchase them. We had to be open for some time before we could. There was, they weren't that expensive. We didn't, we, we didn't realize it was going to be quite so loud yeah. with a, a hard ceiling. Yeah. Uh, it... it it even, even still, it gets loud with all these sound panels in here, uh, louder than I'd like. Uh, we should not have enclosed the ceiling. But there was so much ugliness running through it that it's like, it'll just be better if we just put some drywall up. But no, it's not better. It's loud. Mm. Yeah, it became quite unbearable. It looks nice. It sounds you know. horrible. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to do a, a, a lighting round in, in one minute, but you've been standing here just so silently this entire time. You've done a great job, by the way, of being very quiet and moving things and putting stuff around and just being more or less soundless. Um, but I bet you you've got something bouncing around in your brain. Do you have anything you want to maybe add um, in any capacity at all? Sure. Uh, of course, getting me drinks and this is Jason. Oh, yeah. Who are you? Hi, uh, my name's Jason. I'm the taproom manager here at Postdoc. So uh, I just kind of wanted to jump in and uh, kind of explain our taproom a little bit and yeah. uh, some of the things that I really love about it. Um, so like my favorite thing about the taproom is that you can have four different experiences. So um, this really only is true in the summer, but um, you know, your main experience is here where you were talking. It's very warm and kind of dark colors and it's woody and it's friendly. Uh, you can also, we have an event space on the other side of these French doors here where our brewing space is. It's used by the brewers during the day, but after four or five o'clock, uh, it's, uh, we put some picnic tables out and it's a different experience entirely. It's uh, industrial, you know, you have the tanks back there, you can kind of poke around, you can hear the uh, fermentation happening, you know, with the blow off tubes. Um, and then in the summers, uh, directly behind us, we have this gorgeous deck um, and that's an experience in and of itself. I mean, it's 70 degrees outside, you have picnic tables, there's a big tree right in the middle of the deck, you are at Marymore Park. I mean, 
from the LCB or not, but you know, for us, I mean, you're right there out in the park. And then um, we have a fourth space, which is right out in the parking lot. And if you need the direct sun first thing in spring, um, we set tables out out there and uh, it's just the best place to kind of warm up and de-thaw from the winter, so. And uh, I also just want to brag about our staff for just a second. Um, we are all kind of beer geeks and we love new customers and we love our customers that come. And that's uh, why people come, I think, is that they have a really great time with us and we really get to know them. And my favorite customer is the customer that's never been here or the customer that doesn't really like beer. Uh, and that's a chance for us to really capture that. And uh, I'm happy to pour you as many samplers as you want in a flight and to talk about what your history is with beer and what your relationship is with beer and make recommendations. And I, I find when I go to other breweries, sometimes it's not the case. It's like, well, what do you like? Well, we have an IPA. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone orders. I'm like, well, what are you excited about? And will you pour my flight for me? And you know, what are you guys really excited about and what do you want me to have? And so we talk about that all that time, about that all the time. And the same thing with Tom saying how many breweries there are in Washington now, that's, and what you were saying about the 20% with the beer, that's what really sets you apart nowadays is, you know, everyone can make good beer and the rest of it is, rest, is up to the experience. So um, I really like that we focus on the tap room. I love that we do wholesale and that brings people to the tap room, but really creating that atmosphere and the experience is really important to us. So. Um, you sound really passionate. I sure. don't want that. I'm sad <laughs> now that you haven't been sitting with us. Oh. Time. Um, can you give me just like the, the two minute background of how you got into beer and how you got sure. here to postdoc? Yeah. Um, so previous to postdoc, I was working at Lowe's um, as a manager. So um, I enjoyed working there while I did. And I learned a lot of great leadership qualities and management experience and um, just kind of nearing the end of my passion there. And uh, I was actually at Chuck's one day. I had come home from a little bit of a rough day and uh, Chuck's Greenwood. And I was looking around. I needed I a beer. Right. <laughs> Um, and I saw a can of For Chuck's Sake, which was made by Postdoc. Oh. And uh, I looked at it and I was like, I could just work there, you know, and I could. I did I could, not know that oh, yeah, about you. No, yeah. This is great. I could, uh, <laughs> I could just sell the beer and I, I bought it and I, I had it at home and I was like, this is really good. And it was kind of right at the beginning of the haze craze or maybe when I was noticing the haze craze. Um, and I thought it was delicious. And I was like, I had been homebrewing for a little while and was kind of looking for a change of direction. So um, one of my friends at Lowe's actually knew the uh, former tap manager here and uh, he got us talking and I came down and had a beer and had an interview and then I didn't get the job. It's <laughs> <laughs> always one of my favorite stories to tell. So um, our, our best staff are yeah. the second hire. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sherman also. Uh, so anyway, I stuck with it and uh, I, Came around yep, a year later. Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't wasn't too much longer, but um, I did nice. finally get my foot in the door, and uh, I just loved spreading the joy of beer. I mean, I was like everyone else, you know, didn't like beer, liked light beer, and then I've very much followed the hierarchy of beer. Yeah. You know, start with you know wheat ales or lagers or pilsners, and you move to the big heavy stouts and IPAs, and then you, know, you kind of drift back down to to light beer and you know really technical, well done beer, and we do a lot of that here. So it's uh. I have a lot of pride working here and I love to talk about us and try to, you know, just grow us in the industry. As a, um, like a brewery affiliated person, not mm -hmm. a brewery founder, sure. um, what are your views sort of on the industry, maybe getting, like getting a job in the beer world and stuff like that? Other brew, other homebrewers out there who maybe want to come be a tapper manager or come be a brewer at a brewery like this, what was your experience kind of like with that? So obviously you said you interviewed, had to interview twice. Sure. Um, yeah. In order to make it happen. But like, uh, what are some of the other thoughts you maybe have there? 
Yeah, this was my first industry job. So I was, uh, um, it was a little bit of a rough go at the beginning. I wasn't quite sure what to do or where to make my place and all that. Uh, and having just, you know, I home brewed maybe a hundred batches. And so I wasn't all that technical or anything, but um, it's, it's a really fun job. And I think what Tom was saying, it's a great way to be in the industry without having all of the responsibilities. So from my standpoint, I do get to kind of run my own business um, with the tap room and the staff and the events and the seasonality and all of that and still get to go home at the end of the day and, yeah. and sleep easy because ultimately I'm not responsible for it. Yeah. And if you are a home brewer and that's where your passion lies and you uh, don't necessarily like the customer engagement, but you like creating beer and you're, um, you know, you like the labor of it, just be a brewer. I mean, you may not make the crazy money that you would if you owned a successful brewery or, you know, you worked in the tap room that was busy with a lot of tips, but um, it's, it's really a great way to satisfy your passion. Um, so there's, and there's a lot of different things you can do in a brewery. I mean, you can be like in the tap remander side and the serving side, you could be in the wholesale side, you could be a delivery driver, you could be a graphic designer, um, you know, and I think breweries now are starting to poach different people from different industries to really grow their business. Um, so you look at some of the bigger breweries, they're bringing in graphic design artists and they're bringing in uh, people to write about their brewery and to do blogs and different things, incorporating people like you or, or the bearded gentleman and just trying to diversify their business and hit a new audience. So um, it's a really it's it's a really fun industry to be in because it's constantly changing. Like you said, with the different styles that come out and the trendy beers and the glitters and the fruited sours and the fruit roots and like everything. That's just there's always something new and something new to investigate. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much for watching. Yeah, let, let me go ahead and I'm going to configure this mic so that it can kind of point towards both of us. You don't have to get up and go anywhere. Um, we'll point right at you. Sure. Um, I might have to take your voice and slow it down a little oh, bit. Oh, sorry. I'm, <laughs> <so nervous. laughs> I'm just kidding. I am also a fast talker for sure. Um, okay, guys, let's do the lighting round. So, and feel free to stick around for this. Okay. This is a lot sure. of fun, I think. So, I'll ask you guys a couple of questions. Couple of easy warm up ones, and I'll ask you guys one sort of awkward, weird question that I think is freaking hilarious, but maybe you won't. And if you don't like the question, you don't need to answer it. So, first question these are the simple ones. What's your favorite beer? So, that question's hard because no one has a favorite beer, but maybe what is the beer that turned you in, started you on your craft beer drinking journey, turned you to the drinker you are today? Uh, I'm going to have to say uh, Seamus O'Brien, which is our Irish stout, um, which Tom brewed for our neighbor's daddies from Dublin for an Irish party. And uh, that beer is why I'm part of Postdoc. So it's fair to say that's yeah. the one that got you started. How about you? Uh, I will always have an affinity for Palaner, Hefeweizen, or Weiss beer. Um, I studied abroad in Germany when I was in college, and that's where my kind of beer journey started. Um, and uh, it's just a traditional beer that I just absolutely love. It's, you know, a little sweet and it's fluffy and it's just uh, one of my favorite beers ever. So. Fluffy is the right word for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, I don't yeah. know. Tom? I, I, I don't have a favorite beer and I, yeah, I don't know. You can't remember back to your, uh, back to your olden days? You know, we drank a lot of beer, um, drank a lot of old Milwaukee because it was cheap. Uh, I wouldn't say that we loved that. <laughs> but, but that's what we drank that's fair uh, yeah, I, yeah I don't really have a good answer for that one okay fair enough everybody a lot of people like to say that their favorite beer is the one they have in their hand so <laughs> sure that's a good enough answer for me uh, next question what is your favorite beer that's brewed here so the favorite your favorite beer made by Tom obviously your answer is probably the same as right. your first answer um, what was that called again Seamus O'Brien the Seamus O'Brien alright what about you 
Uh, I've had actually a lot of favorites through the uh, through the year, I guess, that I've worked here. Um, I thoroughly enjoy a beer that we made. Well, actually, I guess we made it two years ago. Was the double barrel aged Demon Star uh, as our Imperial Stout, uh, aged in two different barrels. Um, so that one just was really um, rich and had a ton of complexity and it was lots of depth and uh, it was uh, it was one of the better stouts that I've ever had. Um, I'm also really partial to a beer that I never thought I would like in my life, which is the Flanders Red with the pie cherry. Um, it's uh, it's a really great it's a play on a traditional lambic, right? But it's Flanders Red. Yeah, so it's not actually, but um, it's uh, really tart, um, um, pretty acidic, lots of cherry flavor, um, but it's a sour that I never thought that I would really like, but I, I, I really enjoy it. How about you? Um, well, I do gravitate towards IPAs and I, I really like our pop quiz series, um, but ultimately if I'm going to sit down and have a pint at our bar, I'm always looking at the newest beer that we have because I don't, I don't know, I don't sit here drinking much. So when, when I do, I want to get a pint you know, I don't drink pints of our beer very often either. So when I do, I want to try a pint of like the new thing because I probably haven't had much of it. We, you know, I mean, we taste beers. This is supposed to be a lightning round, and here I go rambling. We, uh, <laughs> I, you know, when we're making the beer, I taste it throughout the process. We taste it before it gets kegged. You know, we make sure everything is where it needs to be. But those are tastes. You know, it's probably not even an ounce uh, actually consumed. Uh, it's you know, have a few sips and make sure that it's what we think it is uh, or that it's ready. Um, so I rarely sit down and drink a pint. So when I do, it's some, I want I want the thing that I haven't had a bunch of, a bunch of. Beer. Okay, fair enough. So same as same answer as your first, just sort of you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one that's in your hand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, okay, when this is a new question, I haven't actually asked anyone before, so I'm not sure if it'll go over nicely. Um, but when was the last time you got just good and hammered, and what was it on? <laughs> I think we should start with Tom. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's always beer. Um, not always, but pretty not much always. always. Yeah. Uh, certainly. Um, Have you gotten hammered yet in 2019? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say, I, I'm not completely hammered. Um, you know, I did quite a bit of bar hopping in Leavenworth a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, there were so many good places to go, and and we uh, did not stay for um, for more than one beer at any place. But well, we did go back to Icicle for a, a second one before we went home to keep drinking. Um, so yeah, probably Leavenworth just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, plenty of beer, but like, I mean, certainly not driving anywhere, but not yeah. you know. I got I love Leavenworth for so many reasons. Um, one of the things I didn't bring up was the Washington Brewers Guild. Um, so the, um, the Brewers Guild obviously is not like centered in Leavenworth, but I know that Pam Brulot, yep. the owner of, or one of the owners of Icicle Brewery, um, is the president at the moment. Yep. So whenever I hear Leavenworth, I think of that. And I didn't mention the Brewers Guild, um, but neither did you guys. And a lot, of the, a lot of the breweries that I talk to outside of Washington, if I talk to uh, I've been to Minneapolis and I've done the same thing there, done lots of podcast episodes with them and they mention their Brewers Guild all the time. I went to Houston and those guys mentioned their Brewers Guild. And uh, in, in Washington, we don't talk about our Brewers Guild very much. Is there a, so putting a quick pause on the lining round, is there a difference between our guild? Is our guild doing something right or wrong? Like what's going on? Do you guys have any interaction with the guild? Are you members? Yes. Yeah, are. we're members. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of interaction yeah. with them. I think our guild is fantastic and, and, um, yeah, they're doing a great job. Uh, I have absolutely no complaints. Pam is awesome. Um, 
you know, Annie does a great job. Annie McGrath, who's uh, who's not even she doesn't own a brewery. She's an employee of the guild, um, but she's well. Now that Tamara's there, there's two employees. But uh, but um, I mean, Annie is basically a, a full-time lobbyist, and uh, well, maybe maybe not full-time lobbyist. She's a lobbyist, but also she full-time uh, helps the guild run and helps Pam with a ton of things. Uh, it's really hard to to narrow down what her role is because she does so much. Um, and really, the, so many of the guild members and the guild leadership does a ton. Um, you know, Debbie and I go down to Olympia every year for the hill climb, and they organize that. And we meet with legislators, and we talk about things that are important to breweries. Um, I, I guess maybe it doesn't get brought up much because we take it for granted um, because it's been around for so long. I, if I'm might be one of the first brewers guilds in the country uh, for the state. I'm not a, I'm not 100 percent sure, um, but they really do a ton for breweries that maybe needs to be recognized, you know, out loud more often. Yeah. I like to, I like to bring it up. Uh, yeah. So anyway, just to see where everyone stands, do you have any else to add? To no, that? I think they, they do a great job. Um, that's maybe why we have nothing to say about them because they have nothing to complain about. They, they, they make changes to help us and they're yeah. very supportive. If we have questions or queries about the LCB, they, they kind of are the spokesperson for us between the LCB and, and us. So that, that's always very helpful, trying to uh, understand the language of the many laws that we are um, yeah, the laws are really complicated and, and it can be hard to navigate and Annie, you know, I can send Annie an email just looking for clarification and she almost always knows the answer and if she doesn't, she just knows who to get in touch with at the LCB to get clarification. So she does a great job. Um, I'm, I'm on the Legislative Affairs Committee for the Brewers Guild and so we've got some bills coming up this next legislative session. We'll review the bills that are kind of alcohol related and see if the Guild needs to take a position on them and, and if so what that position should be. Um, look for changes, to things to make things better either for, for breweries in general, um, whether it's our bill or not. There, there are some that we push uh, because they're important changes for us. There are other people trying to make changes and we, like I said, we take a position on whether we want to support it or not or what changes we need to be made in order for us to go one way or another. So there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes um, with the Guild. But like, yeah, like you said, no complaints. So maybe that's why it doesn't get brought up. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so anyway, resume landing round. So we were talking about probably the last time you got good and hammered and on what? Uh, mine was probably uh, at last year's uh, Fresh Hot Festival in Yakima. Um, I don't know if you've been, their taster glasses are twice the size of any other festival glass and you get the same amount of tokens. So you can imagine all the festivals you go to getting twice as much beer before you buy extra tokens. So uh, <laughs> plus it's, you know, a one of a kind festival that doesn't happen really anywhere else. So um, and you make a trip out of it. So you want to get the full experience. So that was definitely my last time. Okay. And we had a Hotel within walking distance. Oh, so that's the good stuff. That's always nice. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a festival. I need yep, to get it. Right, absolutely. Okay. Debbie? I have no story that I'm willing to share. Oh, okay. Would you tell us how recently it happened? Not very recently. Not very recently. Yeah, okay, definitely okay. not in 2019. Okay, that's fair. You know what? There, it's respectable that you can moderate yourself. You don't get good and shammered. <laughs> Uh, I've learned my lesson. But, uh, <laughs> but perhaps the reason you can't share a story with us is because you don't remember it, which would be the... Possibly uh, could not comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, last lightning round question. And there's this is a two-parter. So everyone think, for me, there are three most sort of inspirational breweries. The ones that 
you know, when, you know, when you're crafting this brewery or the ones that you maybe wanted to work at or any other breweries that you really loved and enjoy and maybe, you know, would be if you could, would participate in if you could, or just inspired you to create the brewery that you're, we are in today. What are your three most inspirational breweries? All right, that's long enough for me. All right, you guys think of anything? Sorry about that again. I've actually never considered doing that during thinking time um, and like giving you guys a minute, giving everyone, people in a, a minute to think while I do that. But uh, anyway, so did you think of your three most important? Um, I'm, I'm gonna start with Rubens. Um, Rubens. Yeah, I I watch what they do. I've watched what they've done over the years, how they've grown um, from this small tap room that they had, small tap room production space. Um, I find them very interesting. I think they produce great beer. They have great branding, and they're they're always winning medals. So it's a very good. Um, I always kind of look at how, how they do things to kind of be inspired. Um, I'm intrigued by Holy Mountain and their uh, success. Um, so I kind of like to watch what they do too. And I, I think of a third, a third one that I want to... All right, you keep thinking yeah. it's important okay. for later. You, you can pick right. a dummy one if you have okay. to throw in a trash, <laughs> trash nominee. What about you, Jason? Um, I hate to lead off with Rubens as well, but um, it's uh, it's an interesting brewery to me because I I used to live in Ballard, and so I was I was very close and used to go often. But just kind of watching the transition of the brewery is kind of something that I can imagine that we could do. Um, just you know, starting at such a small space and kind of just going from there and and just making great beer and celebrating your victories and making a, a place for community you know and we we really enjoy that too is that we have event spaces and you can bring your kids and stuff and so having a, a community brewery is uh is i think important to all of us um so i think they've embraced that really well um holy mountain is interesting too just because um, they kind of said, we're going to do what we want to do and we don't care if you like it. You know, they embrace, embrace a, a very cool theme that, you know, it could be off-putting to some people and you don't care, you know, and you just come out with all the different beers that no one else is doing and uh, the experimentation. And uh, I think that's uh, really cool to have a bold vision and to just go for it and not care what anyone else thinks. Um, I'm also kind of inspired by um, some of the hyper micro breweries and the garage breweries that start because it's it's, it's someone's dream is it's it doesn't take a huge space it doesn't take a million dollars to start a brewery is that you just need a little bit of space for mm -hmm. a couple tanks um, Lake Stevens Brewery was one that I've been to where I'm like this literally takes nothing you know okay. to start up um, you know like even Bluebird or something like really small microbreweries I think are, yeah. are fascinating and very cool. Um, I also, um, uh, a brewery to kind of envy is somewhere like uh, Twin Sisters up in Bellingham. There's the, if you do want to spend a million dollars on a brewery, that's, you know, you can see it right there and they have a gorgeous tap room and the beer gardens and the um, event spaces and they have that other smaller tap room. So mm -hmm. um, those are breweries that I just I really like and okay. that I can kind of base Sweet. a business off of. Sweet. So narrow those down to three and remember those for just a second. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Tom? I really don't know. Um, Whatever three breweries I'm holding at the moment. Part of it is that there's just, there's so many that, um, that are doing such a good job in so many aspects of, of what they're, you know, what they're doing. Um, and I have so many friends in the brewing industry that it's hard to, it's hard. Yeah. 
you know? Popular answers for anyone still trying to think of an extra brewery to throw on their list are things like people say Cantillon, they say Sierra Nevada, and those are those are played out answers, so you don't need to choose those. But like you know, think you can think outside the realm of Seattle and local area breweries. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I had thought about Sierra Nevada because what they do, um, just from like an environmental perspective and and their social consciousness, I think is is fantastic. Um, and uh, and Fremont Brewing, similarly, you know, the stuff that that they do um, socially, I, I think. Um, at, and obviously, both of them make fantastic beer. Um, they, I, I find some of that stuff inspirational for sure. Um, I don't aspire to be the size of either of those. That's not what I find inspirational. Um, I think it's amazing, but uh, especially the growth of Fremont. Um, but I don't see that path for us and, and don't know that I would want to pursue that path uh, for us. Um, but, uh, you know, so there's, there's that aspect to it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's, there's just, there's so many. All right. Um, let's see. So you, but you mentioned Fremont, you mentioned Sierra Nevada, man, I've never had a group of people that have this hard of a time coming up with just three breweries. Uh, it's, it's hard. It, it's a, it's a tough question. I mean, especially maybe I, maybe I presented it in a way that made it too specific, but like, I don't know. What are your three favorites? Like, what if you get a good, yeah, you get a good drink of beer. Like where you get from? Like, I don't know. Um, it's hard to not just name my friends breweries because that's yeah, <laughs> name, like, name, name your three uh, best friends breweries. Um, well, go away, it's, it's, see it in that way. You know, you're not to, offending anyone. So. Yeah, it's hard to narrow it down <laughs> to three people. Um, you know, uh, Yellowhammer Brewing in Alabama, uh, Keith and uh, and Ethan down there are, uh, and it's not just them, but you know, Keith's a great brewer and has been for a long time. Um, I got to go and visit him. It was awesome. Speaking of the last time, I got totally sideways. Uh, yeah, Keith's, Keith's a character, and he likes to drink. Uh, we had a great time, from what I remember. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I like Yellowhammer, but, you know, I think, it, so, you know, Colin and I, from Colin from Holy Mountain and I were homebrewers together. Uh, so, you know, I know him I know him well. I admire what they're doing. Um, Steve from Cloudburst. Uh, you know, when I started uh, my brewing career, it was part time for Bluebird Brewing and Steve set that whole system up. Um, but it, so when he started setting it up, he was working for Rogue. By the time it was done, he was working for Elysian and in a really happy spot. So he decided not to go and run that thing. But it was a half time job anyway, doing every single thing for the brewery. I was the I was they basically had a half time position to do everything. Um, so that's how I got started. And Steve was the person that I, who he interviewed me basically like he was leaving, but he basically said to the owner, you should hire him. Um, and so really Steve got me started down this path. Uh, and obviously what he's been doing since he left Elysian is fantastic. And, and they get a lot of credit for that. Um, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, there's, well, I mean, you mentioned Flying Bike. I think Kevin Forehand's a fantastic brewery. He makes some awesome beers. Uh, ZZ Hop is is delicious. Um, Drew from Beardsley does a great job. I mean, there's just, uh, you know, there's so many different brewers that it's just, it's, it's just hard. All right. So let's see. The first three you mentioned were Yellowhammer in Alabama, okay. Holy Mountain, which we know, and Cloudburst, which we know. Sure. Um, keep those three in mind. 
Did you narrow your three down? Uh, sure, I'll go with the Twin Sisters, Rubens, and Holy Mountain. And Holy Mountain. All right, and then you want Holy Mountain and Rubens. Rubens. And, and I'm going to go for Skookum. Skookum. I think okay. they appeared on the scene in a much bigger way, mm-hmm. making it feel like they were new, but they've been around for some time. So mm-hmm. kind of to reinvent themselves and be that well-known and that successful is, mm-hmm. is inspiring to me. Okay. Um, you guys put a lot of effort into your answers. You came up with a lot of really good breweries and a lot of good inspiration. I'm going to shred that right now because I'm going to ask you a hard question that you may, if you'd like, it, it would be sad if you did, but you don't need to answer it if you don't want to. Of those three breweries, of your very three favorite breweries, most inspirational and whatever, which would you marry, which would you bang, and which would you kill? <laughs> <laughs> possibly answer that. Debbie, I'll start with you. Possibly answer that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll skip you. Is it? You're thinking about sure, it? Yeah. You think you can do uh, it? Yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, I would uh, marry Twin Sisters because she's gorgeous. Um, I would. Um, man. I would kill Holy Mountain just because I think they're a little already dead. They're a little satanic. Anyway. <laughs> uh, they're already maybe, they maybe they can't die. Who knows? I'm banging Rubens. Mm. All right. Tom. Uh, I, I guess I would bang Cloudburst because I've seen Steven address so many times and he, he pulls that off pretty well. Uh, there's a lot of fun toys with their tap handles. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. They got the dildo out of the wall. That's fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess I, I guess I kill Yellowhammer. Sorry, Yellowhammer. <laughs> Sorry, Keith. Sorry, Keith. Yeah. So, so I dislocated his shoulder last time I saw him, uh, you know, it was an accident, but, uh, there may have been alcohol involved. Uh, so we've already gone down that path a little bit. So I guess I, I guess I would kill him. And then uh, I, I guess that leaves me marrying Colin. All right. Sorry, Holy Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically Colin. <laughs> okay. Um, I've never seen that personal of a... Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to, it's hard, especially with those three, like it's hard for me to separate the brewery from the brewer because like these are friends of mine. Yeah, of course. So. Of course. Uh, Debbie, you had a little more time to think. Have you thought of anything? You can't do it. You can't, I can't do can it. Bow. I can pass. You can pass. pass. Okay. Um, Debbie would marry all three if she could. That is- <laughs> Debbie's already married. <laughs> Debbie is just uncomfortable with the question. <laughs> okay. She wouldn't kill anybody, I suppose. I would not kill anyone. I'm already married. Um, so she bangs all three, I think. <laughs> well, I'm sure she's not comfortable with the question. She's not comfortable with them. She's certainly less comfortable with infidelity. I will report myself to HR. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Debbie. Sorry. Uh, that question does put a couple of people off, so I don't want to ever make anybody feel uncomfortable. Um, it's just so funny, funny. to me. Uh, uh, anyway, um, although if you have any funny ideas for a good lightning round question that I could ask people like that, then... Please okay. pitch them to me because I'm always looking for funny right. questions that get people laughing. Um, guys, thank you so much. This is Postdoc Brewery. I've been chatting with Tom 
and Jason and Debbie and I've had just a fantastic time hanging out with y'all today. Uh, we've had a lot of fun, some great beers. Um, what do y'all say we grab another? Let's yeah, let's do it. Thanks. All right, thank you. We resume our conversation with Debbie and Tom and taproom room manager Jason weighs in a little bit as well. Thank you so much, Tom, Debbie, and Jason. It was a pleasure hanging out with you at Postdoc. I can't wait to come back to Redmond. I'll see you guys soon for Eastside Beer Week. This episode was produced by me, the cycling certified Cicerone. Music by Lee Roosevelt. If you like what you heard, you can leave a review or a comment on Apple Podcasts or maybe go back to Facebook and leave a like. Definitely share this podcast with your friends. That would really help me out. This podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, now including Spotify.